right, you primitive screwheads. Listen up. Coming to get you, Barbara. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. Oh, I must be crazy. <laughs> you know, if the institution ever found out about this, they would haul our butts back in and straight-check them. Permanent. You didn't have to come, Horace. This is between me and Jason. I know, I know, I know. But I still don't get the therapy here. All you need to know is Jason's dead, right? Seeing his corpse ain't gonna stop the hallucinations. Seeing it won't, but destroying it will. Jason belongs in hell. And I'm gonna see he gets there. <laughs> That was long winded. <laughs> Just setting up the space. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, you know, when I made that earlier today, I was like, it seems long, but I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'm like, it seems really long, but I like it. I'm it like, is you know, great. It's all content. It's good. It's really good. <laughs> I mean, we just filled about two and a half minutes of time just, just, just from that. So you know, you can't, you can't really argue with that. As I glitch out because I'm trying to adjust. There we go. I feel better. Um, there we go. So, how are you, sir? Tell us a little bit about yourself because you are new to Rabbit and Red. So I, I, I am new. I'm, uh, as we used to say in the military FNG, uh, I'm Theo, um, known as on at least, um, certain parts of the internet, that one weirdo, um, you know, that comes from my mother used to say, Hey, there's at least one weirdo on the bus, but I could never find him. So there you have it. Um, <laughs> a little bit about me. I'm retired military. Um, I do some other podcasts and things of that nature. And horror movies is not a movie genre for me. It's a food group. So, um, you know, I'm literally one of, and, and I'm all about those people. Like, you know, there are so many people who cringe in horror movies. I'm the guy who laughs. And uh, I, 
you know, one of those folks that horror movies, um, if I'm not watching horror movies, uh, I'm not breathing air. So, um, so glad to be a part of this and so glad to, uh, you know, come on here and be invited. And I thank you so much. And I'm, you know, this is the beginning, you know, you always remember your first time. So, uh, mm-hmm. I'm so excited for, uh, <laughs> uh, onward and upward. Well, I'm excited because I, you know, usually with this, I'm, I'm the, the idiot on, on the program. So you're going to bring some class to this. I can already tell you're, you're classing this up. So I, I, I'm, I'm thrilled. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm Flintstone Tumblr in the eighties classy. So. (laughs) I mean, your normal co-host Heather Harlow is not here because she's, I believe she has a, a play rehearsal tonight, so uh, she will probably class up the joint better than me when she, you know, comes here and I'm backstage the whole time, just like, you want to play a trailer? Okay, here it is. You want to, you want to, you want to, you want to play that two minute and thirty second intro? Here it is. Actually, it's two He'll minutes. Be behind the scenes, seconds. dance puppets, yeah. dance. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll break in and uh, annoy you sometimes when you when you say something that. That that maybe I don't agree with or something in, in yep. terms of timeout. <laughs> You'll be like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I I mean I don't know. Have you been like watching anything lately? Like I'm sure you watch. You probably watch a lot more than I do. Um. We're gonna get into what I watched for the main segment, but like uh, you know. So I've been playing a little catch up because it just so happens there's a new Evil Dead movie. So mm. and. These movies, you know, it's weird how much we enjoy movies, but then, you know, they're a part of us for so long. And then we have to come back to like, well, why do we like them? Or how did we end up adapting them kind of into our lives? So Mm -hmm. I've been watching Evil Dead movies again. I know, poor me. Uh, I I know. Such a struggle. And then, of course, I had to revisit the series based on having watched the new movie and like such a separation between, obviously we'll get into that, but such a separation between the show and the new movie and in between that what else have i been watching nothing too horror centric outside of um i guess you could say the homework for this but mm-hmm. um oh i take that back i watched i rewatched the new stream again and i have thoughts <laughs> uh, yeah we'll, we'll we'll talk about that because you know um see i have thoughts too because i in, you know i initially watched it and I felt one way, and then I revisited it because now it's on digital. And yes. I, <laughs> I, I just don't know how I think I feel. it. You say it; it's right there. It's at the tip of your lips. I can tell. It's so close. I, I, I don't know how I feel. I want to feel one way because you know, like it, it, it's it's scream, and I want to feel yes. something. And I I will say this. Now, the the last one, you know, what they call Scream 2022, but let's just call it Scream 5 because I, yes. I just hate that. I hate that they did that. I really do. I think that was, you know, just whatever. So I, di- I didn't like that one that much. I thought the killers at the end were like, and the motives were like, really? <laughs> Really? Are you kidding me here? And, yeah. and you know what? People rip on Scream 3. They really do. But I, I have to tell you, after 
after five and after revisiting this last one, three is like the gold standard of this <laughs> shit. It's like, what did you do? And why did you do that? I, 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 yeah. I, 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 I don't get it. But tell, tell me your <laughs> thoughts and then I'll, I'll interject as you go. Go ahead. So, okay. So, Scream 5. So, when I watched the trailer for Scream 5 way back when, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I was almost uncomfortable with it because I could tell they were doing, and they even, you know, people seem to forget that Scream as a whole started as satire. It was originally titled Scary Movie. So, and then they made another satire about Scream called Scary Movie. So uh, it doesn't get any more meta than that. But when I watched the trailer for Five, and it is Scream Five, um, uh, the first thing I noticed was, okay, so you want to reboot but like most movies nowadays, you want to reboot, but you still want to cash in on the nostalgia. And for my money, it's kind of like, well, I wouldn't say it cheapens the brand. And we know these people aren't going to, you know, like Courtney Cox and Nev Campbell are not going to be doing this for the rest of their lives. But having said that, like there was a show for Scream and the first season perfectly encapsulates how you can take a previous concept, not duplicate it and try to, cash in on nostalgia and make something new out of it, make something a little original. Um, Scream 5, I think, is fine. And, and I say fine as in it's fine. Um, and, and there is that trade-off where, you know, it's like, hey, Nev Campbell's in it. Well, she's in it for, like, the last quarter of the movie. Like, she's barely in number five. She's there to be able to pass the torch, if you will. With six, I saw it in the theater – and I actually had a podcast that I had posted where I was a severe denier. I was like, I'm not watching this. I, I, I refuse. This is going to be you know, terrible. And as always, I tend to eat my words. And I'm honest about it. I'll call myself out. So I saw it opening night. And the first time around it, I, I, I really enjoyed it. And the reason why, it was really one reason. If you're going to progress the franchise and kind of leave the old things behind you need to go all in even if it doesn't work there has to be this kind of exchange they did that here with the sixth one some of it was really good like the beginning where you don't really see that happen from the perspective of the killers so they changed a lot there and i enjoyed that having said that i just revisited yesterday wow um it plays like a sitcom <laughs> that's the nicest way to put it <laughs> and that's I'll, I'll tell you, you're being generous you're being and because because let me, let me tell you something let me tell you something the end of that movie the end of that movie who cares about the freaking killers I don't care who are you people do you matter yeah. no you don't they just threw you in there because they couldn't think of anything better. They were so inserted, yeah. It was like, oh, it makes sense that they would be the killers based on this. And it's like, yeah, but one, they didn't work for it. Mm-hmm. And two, something else they really didn't work for. And I'm, you know, retconning is tricky because audiences can spot bad retconning a mile away. Mm-hmm. Good retconning always feels interwoven. 
Having said that, a lot of retconning and scream is bad. <laughs> but yeah. they keep hinting at, you know, they like to keep playing that, well, she's, you know, related to a serial killer. And it all kind of passes over in the genes, which is, okay, debatable. But we never really see her go whole hog until the end. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, that was the part I laughed at the most because I was like, oh, she's coming at me with a knife. Here's my scared face. Like, they're mm -hmm. not working for it, and you don't see this transformation. And it's meant to be, oh, well, she's not going to go all the way. But she's going to do this to protect her sister. But she's not a murderer and it's like she is <laughs> right right and it's like it, it's 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 pointless and it felt like the three stooges to me it's like I, I it was like unnecessary it's like okay so i heard that for scream seven radio silence will not be involved and i see on facebook and groups that people are like i can't believe they're leaving they're leaving because they're trying to be like the original and kevin williamson didn't write the third one and that's so, so I'm going to tell you what, good, good, <laughs> leave, leave and don't come back. You know what? Better yet. Don't even make a scream seven. Don't doesn't need it. one. It really doesn't. I mean, the way it ended wraps things up well enough. You're just like, okay, you can leave it there. Some movies are like that. You know, Indiana Jones and the last crusade. Okay. We can leave it there until we don't um i believe if i have this right and i believe they're still working on it uh radio silence is not going to be a part of the next scream because they are and this hurts mm -hmm. they are working on it's either a reboot or a sequel or a remake mm -hmm. of escape from new york wow another yes. movie they're just going to tank and kill and you know what they... i hate i hate those people and they're looking <laughs> But you, but you still have the originals. You still have the originals you can go back to. I understand that we do. But they're still bastardizing what these are. They're bastardizing the originals. That's exactly what they're doing. I can't stand it. When you, when you add on like that, and, and for me, it takes away from the overall experience. And it's mm -hmm. one of those things where, because if they're meant to be together, if they're meant to connect, a lot of them don't feel connective. And, and we know... Star Wars is a perfect example where you have different companies involved, different creators involved, but it's like, well, it's all still part of the same thing. And it's like, no, your flaws are like glaring. Like your flaws are to the point where I need my sunglasses. So when people try to take franchises and kind of morph them into something they're not meant to be, the fans know. And that's why Scream 5 and 6, they feel more standalone. Scream 6 had some things going for it early on because they were trying to develop relationships but then they didn't go anywhere because they were trying to focus on oh look the killer and all this and so many things are underdeveloped to include the killers where the payoff feels flat and you know if you can't invest in that there's nothing there honestly for me as far as the killers of the whole scream franchise mm -hmm. pound for pound the best ones for me believe it or not was number two because I thought that was on point because when she, she holds up the weapon and she points it at Sid and uh, Gail and it's like, you know, Mickey, his whole defense about movies made me do it. He goes, how about just, she's like, just how about just good old fashioned revenge for killing my son? And it's like mm -hmm. gold, gold, yep. do that. Yep. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and they tried that with wrong. six and they failed. <laughs> yeah. 
because that's what they're doing. They are copying. So my thing is just stop copying. We don't need it. We don't need it. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Okay. The trilogy is the first three I, I enjoy. As much as people hate three, I still liked it. And right. four, four I thought was decent. I still think that, that you could have just capped it at three and just left it there. And, you know, our world would have been fine. We would have been, you know, okay. But right. it's like now they're just like beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, it's carcasses out and the mm-hmm. flies, you're beating the maggots away at this point. Stop. Yeah. And what they should call the last one Scream No More. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just and just call it until somebody decides to, um, you know, redo it, remake it, reboot it like five years from now. And yeah, I understand, and, uh, and you know this as well, mm-hmm. franchises will never get to breathe properly as long as somebody's handing over money. And we're guilty of that. It's literally one of those things where like, oh, yeah, we still made money. I mean, the opening weekend for number six was uh, far and away uh, the top of any of the other screams as far as the franchise. And it was like, I remember watching it opening night and that place was, that theater was packed. So as usual, Hollyweird doesn't know when to say when. And it'll be too late and then the franchise will be obscured in the process until the reboot. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> well, yeah. so now Radio Silence is going to leave Scream, hopefully. And kill Escape from New York, so I I can't wait yes. personally. I yeah, it's 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 gonna happen. Let let me check out because I see they need to reboot the Leprechaun. <laughs> you know what? That that's about their that's about their speed, and I don't even know if that's their speed, mm-hmm. but I'll take I'll take it. It really is. Uh, yeah, it really I'll, is. I'll, I love Ready it. or Not. I think Ready or Not is freaking yeah. awesome. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. How can you go from that? It's like. Did, 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 did somebody, like, just... Oh, I, I, yeah, and Ready or Not no costs $6 million to produce. Mm-hmm. And, and it's this great little fun... Like, it's literally a cross between The Hunger Games and Clue. Like, it's right. so good. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's why I thought that, like, Scream 2020... I was like, they're coming in. I'm like, they're not going to screw this mm-hmm. up. I'm like, this is, this is going to be... The gold standard. I'm like, is ready or not? Is great. It's a great mm-hmm. film. It's going to be really good. And then all of a sudden, I see that I'm like, eh, are we sure they're the same filmmakers? Because I, I yep. don't know. That's debatable. It's yeah, debatable. you get a little more money, you get a little more freedom, you get a little more. Uh, and I think, especially in the case of Scream, here's what's really weird. From an original work standpoint, you look at Ready or Not. Right. Great. And you can tell it was something they nurtured and worked on. This was like, oh, we got a shot at Scream. Oh, let's throw this in there because we, you know, once again, it's that retconning. It's that kind of, you know, kind of take on fan fiction to go, oh, we can do this. But the problem is, is that when it's disingenuine, like all of a sudden Billy had this daughter and it's like, okay, if he was a little horn dog that had a kid on the side, why did he keep running after Sydney? Like, I understand teenage hormones. I mean, even at my age, I haven't been a teenager for decades. But the other side of me is like, so he was working to all that. I mean, we know the motive at the end with the mom and, and the father and stuff. But it's also like, yeah, he was so focused on her. Like, where would that have come in? And right. they don't even explain that. It's like, oh, he had a daughter. Right. And, <laughs> oh, and okay. What they, right. And what they, you know, and and... 
and the de-aged Skeet Ulrich. Come on. I mean, really? I mean, yeah, he does. He doesn't look fifty. He doesn't look fit right. I he's 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 he's. It's it's back in nineteen ninety six all over again. Here we go. Yep. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's weird because the color timing in his face in the de aging. Yeah. Literally is like three shades lighter than what we remember and like and and him as a whole. I don't just mean like you know just in general like his hair and everything. It's like is he radioactive as a ghost? Like he's glowing. It's just weird to look at. I've actually met and seen Skeet Ulrich uh, at Fanex last year. Nice mm-hmm. guy. And you're just kind of like, and in my mind, I'm like, well, why did you have to de-age it? Like, why couldn't you, if she's supposed to be something of, if he's supposed to be a figment of her imagination, why can't mm-hmm. she imagine him as if he was still alive and like her dad? Yeah. Why? They could have dressed him like Ward Cleaver. That would have been even better. And then like, you know, I'll accept reek, it. reek, reek. Yeah, been great. I'll accept it. I'll <laughs> accept it. Well, we have some comments here from uh, Crazy Rock Films. Aaron Hawkins says, Woot, a fellow veteran. Thank you, sir. Um, and then Mr. Nanners, uh, Morgan Wellborn, says, We still have the original Star Wars, but I don't give a shit about it anymore because of what they did to it. So, <laughs> it's hard being yeah. a Star Wars fan. I, I appreciate that. I mean, it, it matters what we have before, but when they try to put this kind of collective spin on it, Mm-hmm. It's it's a little hard to swallow because I I mean seven eight and nine of Star Wars real quick mm-hmm. you know we were sooner or later supposed to have that payoff of Han Luke and Leia and Chewie group family photo right. you know like oh. the end of like the end of uh, a New Hope and you know yeah. Chewie finally got his medal but having said that like you you can't take the place of things that were established so well before no and one discard them so quickly to put something new and then you and i both know if you're going to kind of undo what's come before as a franchise you better replace it with something that stands up to what's come before mm-hmm. not necessarily the case here just say it <laughs> right but baby well, yoda's adorable <laughs> i mean okay I'll be honest with you here. I haven't watched The Mandalorian. Okay. I, I've seen 7, 8, and 9, obviously. Um, I liked Force Awakens. For the most part, I was pissed off that they killed Han. I don't think that was fair. I don't think it should have happened. That Amen. was whatever. Um, I'm in the minority because I actually didn't mind Last Jedi except for Luke getting off because that really kind of pissed me off i was like you're losing me you're losing me <laughs> and and then and and then um rise of skywalker came and i'm like um okay we can stop now we 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 really we can stop and then i read now that daisy ridley is coming back for like three more star wars i'm like please yeah. stop <laughs> well i you know, it's interesting how when certain people look at a franchise, they see certain things, regardless of what's come before. And in the case of 7, 8, and 9, 7 was a remake of A New Hope. I'm fine yeah. with that. I, mm-hmm. I, yeah. That nostalgia milk, you know, kind of like that milk that Luke had in The Last Jedi off that sea creature thing that in his little bottle. I drank that up. Absolutely. Last Jedi? 
I know I'm going to catch some heat, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I like it well enough yeah. because there is some things that were attempted to be done to kind of explore things a little more. Because with Seven, like I said, remake. I give credit to Last Jedi taking chances. Not all of them worked. We didn't hear about fuel until this movie, but okay. But (laughs) it took some chances. And there are some parts that are just gold in my book. As a whole, solid, didn't quite stick the landing. I don't think it's out and out rubbish like a lot of people think. Having said that, Rise of Skywalker is like a bad video game. (laughs) So many things are thrown in. Oh, look, Lando just happens to be right here. Um, Lando, how long were you waiting for us? Oh, you know, I just like, what are, there's so many, uh, there's so many points of what are the odds? Mm -hmm. What are the odds? (sighs) What are those odds? You know, I, 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 I don't know about you. It visually when I saw it for the first time, it looked cool. And as soon as I left the movie theater, I'm like, why would a thousand Star Destroyers rise out of the ice at the same time? And where did they get a thousand Star Destroyers? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You wonder, you know, it, it yeah. makes sense. Why? Where? Especially when it's illogical, like to the point where, look, horses on the side of a Star Destroyer looks cool it has that great magnificent seven element which i appreciate because that's my favorite western of all time the original Mm -hmm. the remake Mm -hmm. but i i did feel that kind of you know there's meant to be that kind of you know david and goliath mindset and uh it just still doesn't track because like in the pitch meeting part of it you're kind of like horses on the side of a star destroyer and then somewhere kathleen kennedy's like i'll write that check and it's like Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I you know, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm, so afraid for Dial of Destiny. I really am. I, I Me love too. Harrison Ford. Look, I, I, I wanted to like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and I know there's people that like it. I just, I can't get into it. I own it because I'm a completist, and I have to have it. You know, but. But it's like I don't watch it. It's it's just sitting there on the shelf, and that's it. But I watch it on occasion. I like it, and I do mean just like like oh okay. Um, Has it gotten I better like with time? A little. Um, I guess the best way to kind of put it is so. Here's how it's gotten better for me. So one. Um, you know, Harrison Ford is always going to be Harrison Ford and Dial of Destiny. I want to like it, but my issue is, is that, and nothing against him because he's always going to be Harrison Ford. Mm -hmm. I don't need to see Indiana Jones at 80. Like that concept doesn't ring true to me. Not to mention for those who watched young Indiana Jones Chronicles, there's a huge gap in like, so with that, and, and maybe they'll address it, maybe they won't, um, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull has gotten better for me because there's still enough real Indiana Jones moments to kind of go, okay, this is fine. Like I said, it's, it's not great. I like it. I mean, I give it a six-ish out of ten. Um, obviously, the first three movies are like gold standard. Right. Right. And that. 
Well, see, now you're making me want to like pull it off the shelf and 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 watch it again, because I, I mean, look, I saw it in the theater. I, you know, I initially was like you, where you know I I thought it was okay, but then I I watched it once on something. I guess I got the Blu-ray when the Blu-ray first came out, and I watched it right. then, and I was like, you know, it's it's just not the same it's too long after last crusade i think i'm done and i was done and then i hear this and i'm like you know, when i see that they're doing this i'm like i'm like all right i i know yeah i think the big hang up with crystal skull is twofold and it both kind of revolves around obviously what it's centered around the aliens there's too many inconsistencies about how things got where and you're like Wait, so how did they there's there's too much to kind of bend your head around when you think about it. The second part is when it goes to the behind the scenes side of things, they had talked about doing an Excalibur um storyline. And it's like, yes, that would be amazing. Like you literally just went with the holy grail and you started with um, you know, the lost ark. And it's like, yeah, do that. Like those type of things. Um, Atlantis was something that was discussed at one point where I was like, yes, you should do that. And, you know, they encamp, they, they put El Dorado in there, but that felt shoehorned in to go, Oh, they mentioned El Dorado when it's like, yeah, you're talking about aliens and you're not even talking about like aliens, aliens. Cause you, according to, you know, John Hurt's character, they didn't even go to space. They were interdimensional time travel. They're interdimensional travelers. So it's like, okay. I, I think that's the biggest thing. Cause I remember hearing all kind of rumors. And then some of the uh, writers that had worked on drafts that obviously weren't used were like, yeah, we tried Atlantis and we tried, you know, Excalibur. And I'm like, and those were thrown out. Why? So, I think that's the big sticking point for a lot of people, and rightly so, because that finale is, you're like, okay, okay, uh-huh, got it, yep, okay, okay, is it over? Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this this is, I mean, wow. That, it's like, why do they have to, to do this? Like, look, I'm all for the nostalgia factor in doing this, but it's like, you know, they, they want to try to recapture that magic. When are they going to realize that you're never going to be able to do it? Yeah. Same with Friday the 13th. And as much as I still like Halloween, I love that franchise. They, you're never going to recapture that magic. As much as you yep. want to try to, you're never going to do it. Never. So just do something yeah. original. Well, do something and original. Especially with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Because... So that actually came about for, for a couple reasons. One, mm. Spielberg had made a little comedy that some of you out there might know. It's very near and dear to my heart. It would definitely not be made in the year 2023. Mm. It's called 1941, and it is a yes. war comedy. Mm -hmm. I will say this again. It is a war comedy. And mm. you could say what you will, you know, this being a different day and age. I get that. But I own the movie. I still laugh my head off every time I watch it, but it that movie was met with such issue by so many people in Hollywood that he went away for a little bit as far as 
okay, I got to go, you know, like he, he kind of dug in to something and went away for just a minute so he could kind of do this. But of course, Indiana Jones came about because Spielberg at one point was being kind of hounded to do a Bond movie. And he took George Lucas to Hawaii for the op- during the opening weekend of A New Hope because Lucas didn't want to read any reviews, didn't want to deal with the critics or anything to that effect. So Spielberg took his friend to Hawaii. How great is that? How great is a friend to go, hey, we're going to Hawaii, dude. No, no, no. Don't worry about it. I got it. Gold card. Let's, let's go. Yep. And while they were there, Spielberg had kind of spilled the beans about him possibly thinking about doing a Bond movie. That's why ultimately, and it worked out just, I mean, so well, quite frankly, that's how we ended up with uh, Sean Connery as his dad in The Last Crusade, which is comedy gold. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Oh, Mr. Nanners, I love this one. Corey Wood. Yeah. <laughs> I'll agree with that. Good on you, sir. Good on I you. I like that. <laughs> Yeah, that that's I mean really. Yeah, that yeah. was the, you know, that was the good thing with Last Crusade. Like Sean Connery was like that was that was pure magic what the two of them did in that film. And that's Junior. Why, it is your Junior. What are you doing here? <laughs> that's a so damn great. good impression, man. I love it. I love it. Yep. Oh, I, oh, oh you came here to shave me and who's gonna go to shave you, Junior? I told you. <laughs> How do you know she was a Nazi? She talks in her sleep. <laughs> oh, and here's a little fact that all of you now have to come to grips with. Okay. Indiana Jones and his dad are tip cousins. <laughs> oh my God! There, there's you know, there's so many. Clips You're welcome. That I'm gonna, there's so many clips that I'm gonna pull just from this point for reels and stuff it's gonna be great yes oh i can't wait yes i can't wait ah uh, so so good let's see should we try to dive into some evil dead just i to... believe we should absolutely let's all right let's uh <laughs> so how do you want to do this do you want to try to like cover them all or do you want to cover Ooh. rise huh. and then just or do you want because mm, see <laughs> I fall I, I will follow your lead, good sir. I don't really have a lead, but let's okay. How about this? I'll start with my feelings on Rise, because my feelings on Rise are kind of incomplete. Oh, okay, yes, please. And, now and, and, yes, and, color me intrigued. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because um I was not able to get to the theater to see Rise at this point. Okay. So I, I, I um, saw it another way. Um, <laughs> I watched, because look, here, okay. So now there's other people that are on this network and other people that I'm friends with, and they're like, now my thing is, you may disagree with the stance, but my thing, because, okay, on I was on another podcast in 2013, okay? Mm. And we did... We had like an Evil Dead special before the 2013 remake came out. So we had, um, we talked about the original, we talked about Evil Dead 2, and we had, um, what the hell did we have one? Um, um, 
Sam Raimi's brother. Who the hell is that? Um, uh, Ted or Ivan? Ted. Ted. Ted, had Ted, Ted is great. <laughs> yeah, we had Ted on. And then um, we were supposed to have somebody else on for Army of Darkness, but they canceled the last minute. So for the remake, we had on Fide Alvarez. So okay. and nice. this is maybe... Okay, so we recorded this with him because I wasn't doing live back then because it's 2013. So we recorded this with him maybe two days before Evil Dead came out. And I was against the remake because I'm like, okay, it's not Ash. It's not, you know, I can't, I don't like that. Um, I'm, I love my Ash. Ash is Evil Dead to me. I can't, you know, I can't distance yes. myself. So during this interview with Fede Alvarez, he said, he's like, oh, it's so great. It's so good. So good. And he had me pumped because he sold me that it was going to be a great movie. And I'm like, I'm like, all right. I'm like, Fide Alvarez says it's going to be good. So in my little brain, I was like, okay. I'm like, it's going to be a good movie because the director and the right, the co-writer or whatever says it's good. So it's going to be good. So I went to that theater opening day and I sat down in that chair and I watched that movie. And then after the movie was over, I stayed till the end of the credits because I was like, I was like, okay. I was like, I know Bruce Campbell's not going to be in this, but in, in, in my head, I'm like, you know what? They have to throw him in there somewhere because it's Bruce Campbell and it's Ash and he is evil dead. So I stayed there through the credits, the credits go, and then you, you, you get that little groovy. And then I stopped and I'm like, you teased me. You teased me. <laughs> Where was he for the other yes, where was he for the other ninety-four minutes and thirty seconds? Where was he? Because I didn't see him anywhere. I, I mean, yes. I'm not gonna hey look, Jane Levy was great to look at. I'm not gonna say that she wasn't. She was spectacular. Absolutely. But it's not Ash. I was like Ooh. So alright, so then this movie goes into development. And I'm like, nah, it's just, nah, mm-mm. And then I saw that it was going, like, to HBO Max, and I'm like, all right, good. It's going to go to HBO Max, so what do I have to lose if I sit down and watch it? Because it's going to be, you know, okay, whatever. And then I hear that they pulled it from HBO Max, and they decided to put it in theaters because it had a few good test screenings. Well, what (laughs) do you freaking do right there? So... Just because it had a few good test screenings and somebody pushed that green button that said, we like this, then we're going to put it in theaters so people can just go and pay money to have to see it and, you know, not worry about an HBO Max subscription. So, you know, I was like, I'm like, you know, I'm like, Ash really isn't going to be in this one. I'm like, and Bruce Campbell is getting older and I know he doesn't want to do it anymore and. I, I really think that he should because I think if they offer him enough money, he should do it because he's Ash. I mean, come on. He could do that part till he dies. I don't care. Yep. They can throw a stuntman in there. If if Harrison Ford can be 80 years old playing Indiana <laughs> exactly. Jones, Bruce Campbell can be 80 years old playing Ash. So exactly. today, or actually, no, it was last night, through my alternative you know, streaming method, I decided <laughs> to watch it. So I sit down, and I, I texted my friend who is a, a huge Bruce Campbell Evil Dead fan before this show, because he right. says, he's like, I think you're going to like it. 
Because I think it's the exact same thing. You know, I think it's something that you're really into and you're really going to enjoy it. So I, 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 I took that. And, uh, I, okay, so I sit down last night. I watch it. 20 minutes goes by. And <laughs> I, 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 I shit you not, sir. The quality <laughs> of the camera that the person took into the theater to record the film was better to me than the 20 minutes of that film that I watched. I was sitting there and I'm like, I'm like, what am I watching? I don't know. It sure as hell is an evil dead. Do, do, where's the cabin? Where's the woods? I mean, so they took it to a high-rise apartment building. But the high-rise apartment building, I don't even know if I made it to the high-rise apartment building. Because... <laughs> I'm 20 minutes in. I mean, and I rounded up. It might have been like 16 or 17 minutes, but I'll round up <laughs> 20 for a good measure. The movie is an hour and 37 minutes. If I am 17, anywhere from 17 to 20 minutes into it, if you're not in the apartment building by that time, <laughs> I don't care. I do, That's false advertising. Give me my, my, my 20 minutes back because I want it because, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I commend you. You went, you saw the film, and you, you sat through it. Hopefully, you enjoyed it because I, 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 I'll be honest with you. I don't think, look, because I, I, I did the alternative method, I will buy it when it comes out because I just, I, I feel like I have to give balance to the world. So, I will do that. But... Will I watch it? I don't think so. Right. It'll just sit there. <laughs> It'll just sit there because, really, the Evil Dead Rise. I mean, I I I saw there there in okay. So the beginning of the movie, they're at they're at something. They're at maybe a cabin or there's something in woods, right. and they're on a dock or something. And I'm like, okay. I I just I'm I'm like I I don't see it. I I just and then so I texted him and I said I said dude I said. 20 minutes and I bailed and I said and I rounded up from the 20 minutes uh, I'm like that's not I'm like that's not evil dead and he got he texted me back he's like that's totally evil dead dude I'm like oh I I, I mean come on like am I miss did I miss something should I have hung in there so here's here's my thoughts on so I'll compartmentalize this a little bit so the 2013 and the new one and then kind of evil dead as a whole. And I, I agree with you hundred percent that, you know, Ash Bruce Campbell is synonymous with evil dead. And in some way he should in be integrated, even though he's getting up there as far as age goes, I met the man last mm -hmm. year. They did evil dead fest here. And I got to watch army of darkness with, um, Q and a from Bruce Campbell. And I got oh, to do a photo sweet. op it was wonderful, but that's I got sweet. to watch army of darkness with this full crowd at the Egyptian theater in park city mm -hmm. here in Utah. Yeah. And Bruce Campbell was there and it was like, it was so great. It was a standing ovation. And after the movie was done, before he started the Q a afterwards, he goes, Oh, you guys like that. Where were you all when this movie was in the theater? And it's like, you know what, Bruce, and, and this is true, I saw it the week after it had come out. And I didn't uh -huh. know 
that it was associated with the original Evil Deads because I discovered those through video cassette for our younger viewers and listeners out there. Video cassettes was this big thing that used to stick in a machine and it yep. made moving pictures. But anyway, <laughs> you, yeah. you, I didn't know that those were connected because the original title for Army of Darkness was Medieval Dead. And I, I wish they had stuck with that. Yeah, um, I agree. That, that would have worked so much better. So Evil Dead as a whole is is one of those franchises and now you know the way bruce campbell tells it the concept is like to revolve it around the book so you can have it almost be like this anthology kind of twilight zone series okay i can see that so the 2013 saw that opening weekend Mm -hmm. i didn't entirely hate it but it wasn't evil dead in my Mm -hmm. book and the biggest reason for that was you know the the early Evil Dead movies and even Ash versus Evil Dead has a lot of violence, has you know some interpersonal stuff going on and stuff like that, and obviously a lot of it is rooted around Ash, especially the first season of Ash versus Evil Dead where they talk about he was supposed to go to Jacksonville, Florida, and he ended up going to this cabin instead, and he comes to grips with. What would my life have looked like if I went to Jacksonville instead? Which is wonderful because we never, all the iterations of Ash, video games, comics, you name it. We never touch on that fact like, oh, shoot, he technically was supposed to go someplace else. Like none of this would have played out like it, it, you know, it, it, over all these years, it still goes through his mind. Like, what would my life have looked like? But having said that, where I think they got things wrong with the 2013 evil dead is that all the early movies evil dead rise has this too there's this very ferocious kind of energy Hmm. you're dropped into this very quickly as far as characters i mean you're not going to know necessarily a lot about them as it goes having said that it is literally a horror movie that drops you in Hmm. and and takes you on this trip and it's so insane as to how well sam raimi was able to do that and lock in an audience and evil dead 2013 is mopey that's my that's the word i'm going to use it's mopey Mm -hmm. they spend so much time trying to kind of focus on you know building up to when this all starts when you look at the especially the first two movies you're literally like oh yeah you're in this cabin hey and 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 like you i think you made a really good point like you were at the 20 minute mark and you're like when is this going to feel like evil dead in the original movies it's not even five minutes and you've got you've got crap and flying and it's bonkers and 2013 lacks that ferociousness that energy where you're dropped in i mean i watched the first one again at uh evil dead fest bruce campbell i watched the first one again and was my first time seeing it a theater and it was really funny because there was somebody who was with a group of friends and she had never seen any of these movies let alone the first one and bruce was like oh you're in for something she was he was like i will talk to you after this he was like you're He's like, you're in for something. And she watched it. And of course, you know, standing ovation. But I remember feeling like this uneasy enjoyment 
and like this weird panic. Like I know how the movie plays, but especially, you know, in that type of setting with a, you know, a crowd of strangers, but we're all feeling the same thing together. And in the case of the 2013 one, there's none of that. You focus too much on why they're there and, and all this stuff. And it's not to say it's not important for story building, but it's like, it's not an evil dead movie. Mm-hmm. You're not really, you're not giving that energy because even like with a lot of the kills and stuff like that, you're like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Got it. So, Fast forward to 2023. I think it is, you know, it's it's them trying to turn where the narrative is going to go, you know, based around the books and stuff like that. And the fact that now you're kind of complementing what's come before, because obviously, like many of these movies now, there's a lot of Easter egg aha moments where you go, ooh, that. Ooh, that, you know, that meme with Leonardo DiCaprio from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There's a lot of those moments. What makes this one work, especially a lot better than 2013, is that it's a little slow. I agree with you there. It's a little slow to get jump started. But the second it starts, you are dropped in and it is bonkers. And some of the Easter eggs are very much owed to... Sam Raimi, because there was literally things you're like, oh, that's a Raimi move. Absolutely. And there is a cameo, no spoilers, but there is a cameo of Bruce Campbell in this. Um, that it, that energy, that ferociousness is there. It's, mm-hmm. it's got a lot of craziness. And what I like, too, about this one is, and one thing we kind of got from the originals, most of the originals, was when somebody gets possessed by the Deadites, they're doomed. Mm-hmm. Right. In the 2013 one, they they really I mean, it's almost a jump the shark moment to what we consider a deadite, because then all of a sudden it's like I'm better. And it's like, you're not supposed to be. They don't do that here. Once they're jacked, they are jacked. And that's no spoilers, because there's there's so much of it happening to where it's like, oh, my God. And it has that energy. It has that ferociousness where you feel that little panic breaths and you're like, and I'm like, okay, this is working. I enjoyed aspects of that kind of gore and action in 2013. At no point did I have to sit there and go, oh my God, this is so bonkers that my back fat is sweating. I, I was, I think if memory, I think if my memory serves, I was literally like, wow, oh, it's really cold in this theater. <laughs> the, 20, the 2023 one, I literally had moments of... Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's the that's the stuff. Um, it, it does take a little bit a, a little bit to get that energy going, but once they get there, they get there, and it's more slick looking and almost kind of trashy as opposed to um, the Fetty Alvarez version where they're trying to make it very grounded, and then you you can't you can't unsee some of that thing because. 20, uh, the 2013 version, they do that scene where she's obviously lashed with the vines mm-hmm. and then one vine goes in a particular area. Yes. When they translated that from the original to the 2013 version, because the first one was done so, like, it's, it's like a punk rock horror movie. There's so much just thrown in and it's just so ferocious. This one was like, oh, 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 wait, hey, hey, hey. 
you know, you, you, you don't have that same energy. You're not locked into that way where like, this is this bonkers roller coaster. You feel like you're watching more of like this kind of odd documentary with the, uh, the Fiddy Alvarez version. In the case of 2023, it's, it's this slick, trashy looking kind of alternate world kind of feel because a lot of the angles and a lot of the filters they use are, are meant to be kind of, you know, not just dark, but kind of slick, but in such a way to where it's like, it doesn't feel too rooted in reality. There's kind of that veil at a from a visual sense where 2013 is like, oh, we're really doing this. And that suspension of disbelief with the first three kick in so well, because you're locked into this roller coaster and a credit to, you know, Sam Raimi, as well as, you know, Bruce Campbell and Rob Tappert over the years, like you literally, these people know the textbook. They know the assignment from the first one they made, however they put it together. And some of the stories behind it are freaking wonderful and bonkers, but it's like the 2013 one kind of missed that chapter. And then fast forward and you get Ash versus Evil Dead and you're like, see, they know. And 2023 mirrors a lot of, it mirrors a lot in the way of that, like I said, that ferociousness, that high energy, that craziness where you're locked in to this roller coaster with no safety guards. Um, and, and that's why we love the Evil Dead movies. I remember watching them kind of out of order, and I watched the second one first. And I was early teens, and all I could think to myself is, okay, can I sleep with all the lights on, Mom? Mm -hmm. Is that okay? Like, it, it, it was indelible. Like, I knew from that point, I was like, wow. And then years had gone by, and I had watched the first two here and there out of order, watched Army of Darkness, didn't quite connect the dots. I was a little slow that way when it came to that. And the first three are, like, amazing for that reason because it is literally like, oh, hey, so here's the deep end, push. That's what makes it so great. And the 2013 version, it like, completely misses that. 2023 has a lot of those aspects most of them are genuine. A couple of them are, ah, Raimi. Oh, Raimi. Um, as a whole, I like 2023 a lot. Um, it's actually coming to VOD. I'm not sure if it's going to be on Max, but it's going to be on VOD. I think it's May 9th. Really? So they know their audience. They're like, yeah, you got to see it in the theater, but you know, everybody wants to kind of huddle around the TV and watch this at home on a Saturday night at two in the morning. So, well then, um, I'll have to buy it. I'll have to buy it on the VOD and watch it. That there way. you go. <laughs> because now I do want to finish it. Because now I am. I am very curious. Um, it's it's very they they take they take what the first three had a little bit of what the series had the star series and kind of put that in. And as far as what makes the dead so great and probably something I've always enjoyed, whether or not this was intentional is that these creatures bring the inside voices out. And there's so many moments throughout all of, you know, the shows and the movies, video games where you have these characters and 2023 does it really well because mm -hmm. obviously it deals with two sisters and there's this kind of issues, conflicts with them, but they don't hone in on that. They don't do what 20, uh, 2013 did. And it was like, well, let's make this all about rehab. And it's like, wait, no, that's too, 
That's too real for like crazy horror. Here, they set that up, but they set it up kind of flimsy because that plays a bit. And obviously from the trailers, you know, one of them becomes a deadite. But Mm -hmm. that's how she tends to prey on the family, which is what really worked well, especially in like the first two movies. So I really like 2023. I can see why people don't, though. Um, it, It doesn't feel, at least from a trailer standpoint, it feels a little more 2013. It's really not. Because 2013 was almost a downer. Because after I watched it, I was like, whew. So she was rehabbing, huh? Okay. Yeah, Yeah, you you don't get that disconnection. Like, it feels too grounded. And not to knock the filmmaker's efforts, but you have to kind of realize, like, the first three movies, they're, they're done in such a way. Like I said, it's this you know, punk rock horror kind of take. And they threw what they could at it. Now, you know, one thing that's great about punk rock is like, it's what you have and you use it and you use it at full volume. And the first three movies do that and do that well. And then you skip to 2013 and you're like, so we're in this cabin and someone's rehabbing. Oh, there's a demon and someone's rehabbing. And it's like, it's, it's very, it's very just, land it's very murky and it's just kind of bleh. that's that's what i got out of 2013 i don't hate it but it's like it's just so low energy for a franchise that has prided itself on just being you know close zooms in your face bang editing and it's like Okay. 20, 2013 is like the Eeyore of Evil Dead movies. It's like, hey, guys, thanks for watching. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's, that's, that, that's the perfect thing right there. I, I love that. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. You are – you're a genius. I knew. I knew you Thank on the you. show would be a good idea. I really did. This is this is brilliant. I mean, this is going better than I thought it even would. Um, I – I think what makes Evil Dead so great, especially for so many of us fans, real quick, is Evil Dead is like kind of a horror fanboy true romance. You know, the Christian Slater movie was always meant to be if Tarantino lived his life a certain way, like who he wished it had gone. You know, we want to take place in these kind of adventures like oh my god we're dropped into this and and it's a great almost like weird survival story. He cuts off his own hand. And he puts mm-hmm. a chainsaw and then he goes to literally like another time and he mm-hmm. kicks an entire army's ass. I mean, with help, but it's like, I, I think what for us, you know, so many of us fans is like, God, we want to be Ash when we grow up. And I mm-hmm. think that's, I think that's the key. I think that's a huge part of why we love them so much. And of course, Sam Raimi, you know, the man made comedies, in college before he had no choice but to make a horror movie but the man learned timing between the two that's why for him to technically in some ways almost create a new genre i mean that's why we love the man yeah and that's why he needs to come back they need he needs to make another one and then just bring bruce campbell into it and that's what i think they need to do at this point i think i mean because even if evil dead rises is is as good as you say, and believe me, I believe you that you know, it is good. But but here's I'm gonna hear it next time. It's like I saw it. <laughs> well, yeah, and here's well here's the th- here's 
Okay. So, my thing is, Evil Dead 1, Evil Dead 2, and even the Army of Darkness, um, the theatrical version of Army of Darkness was 81 minutes, I believe Evil Dead yes. 2, and the original Evil Dead are like 85. Mm -hmm. So, I think, now, I could be wrong, because like I said, I didn't finish it yet, and now, 2013 was like 95 minutes. I think I'm pretty sure that was 95 minutes. So you're already 10 minutes over the mark here. And Evil Dead Rise is 97. So you're 12 yes. minutes over the mark. I think if they would have taken 12 to 13 minutes off of that, off of Evil Dead Rise, and maybe killed some of that slag in the beginning, maybe you know they need to get you there a little. Like like you know you said once you're in, you're in. They needed to yeah. get you in faster. It seems yeah. like it's like being locked into to Space Mountain, like something about the way it was crafted intentionally or unintentionally. Raimi knew that as soon as you as soon as he can lock in the audience and know, I mean, there's literally moments in the first three movies where it's like, OK, we, we're not coming back from this one, not in yeah. one piece. And um, that is something that I think you know, the most recent ones are kind of missing. And in 2013's case, it's like, there's no drop in point. There's literally no point where you're just thrown into the deep end. It's, you know, all these introductions and you're trying to get a handle on characters. Cause that's what they're kind of showing you. Mm -hmm. And then there's that exposition and nothing against the actors in the 2013 one, but it kind of goes back to that drabness that, that kind of just, they're just kind of there and they're just kind of, Oh, Hey guys, there's, there's just there's such a lack of energy. And part of that has to do with missing Bruce Campbell. Like that guy is, he's just fierce. Like I met the man and I literally, I was like, Oh, you know, he's literally like, he should have been in like an anchorman movie to be fair. Like he's literally the physical embodiment of that sex Panther cologne in the first anchorman. Like he's mm -hmm. just such a badass. <laughs> 100%. That is just, he is Wow. Yeah. That Yeah, that Bruce is... Campbell's not a person. It's he's a state of being. There you mm -hmm. go. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And yeah. you know, he's great. So great. Yeah. That's what they need to capture. So they need to bring him back. So he needs to get All right. So what tomorrow's Friday. He needs to wake up tomorrow morning to a text <laughs> message on his phone from Sam Raimi that says get your get your lard ass to the or get to the gym lard ass. <laughs> Do it. I, I want that report tomorrow afternoon that they're making another Evil Dead and Ash is back. I First will... thing in the morning on Variety. <laughs> yes. Please. That's what I want. Pretty please. Pretty, pretty please. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Absolutely. Tell Raimi, look, remember Marvel, Spider-Man 3, Multiverse of Badness, you really want to go for a three duck here? Like, no, go make, go make, um, you know, I, I mean, if they give a final chapter, there's kind of that, because Ash is one of those characters where it's like, well, do you really want to see them die? But you also want to see them right into the sunset a little bit. So, yeah. So have them at the end, right off into the sun. Give us one more definitive, give us a true evil dead four. And call, you know what? I'll even be fine with the fact that they call it Evil Dead 4. Please, just yep. do it. Do it. Just 
one more. Evil then, Dead Forever. There. Yes, that's it. You you did it. There. Right there. there. Evil Dead. The problem number solved. Four problem ever. staying solved. Rangers lead the way. <laughs> there you go. You got it. That's exactly what Evil Dead. The number four ever. There we go. Yep. There we go. That. That would be great. And then at the end, you just have him like look at the camera, and then he's. Walks off. <laughs> yep. You know, yeah, you know what? And I'll accept that. And then just have him walk off and have the credits go up as he fades off, and, you know. And and have him ride the 88 Delta. Like, oh, I know yeah. it's a car and you have to get in it, but somehow, like they did in the third one, just have the mm-hmm. steering wheel and boom, 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 ashy, slashy, boom, boom, boom. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cut, print, check the gate. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Perfect Evil Dead movie. Cap off that franchise. Give us some original stuff. Um, <laughs> bar Radio Silence from ever making Scream Again. Strip the rights from Paramount and, you know, just get rid of it. We're done. It's over. I'm, yeah. If somebody's taking over Scream, they need to really change it up and get people who really are, like, at that level as far as want to make it, like, gritty. And, and really kind of grungy and call it Scream for Me, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll take that. I will take it. I will, it. I will take that to the bank. Absolutely. Let's, let's, yep. Let's do it. Let's, I mean, you know, we're, 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 it's, uh, the, <laughs> it's an interesting time for film. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, and because obviously, look, look, I'm, I'm, I'm 43. So I'm just, you know, I grew up in the 80s. I'm I'm mm-hmm. all about that, you know? And, you know, people, like, look at me and they're like, but of course you're not going to like this because you just want movies the way that they were. And, yeah, that's <laughs> what I want. But I'm a realist. And I realize that because I've been burned too many times <laughs> by people saying, yes, it's going to be just like the movie... Like, Friday the 13th, 2009 is going to be just like the Friday the 13th you remember. Right. It isn't. I went and I saw it. I watched it and I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm I'm going on to a tangent here real quick because this is great. Now, I went for that remake. I went in. I saw it. The first 15 minutes or so, I loved. Then as soon as that Friday the 13th title card hit, it started to go downhill, and I—I I mean, I—I I still kind of liked it. I'm—I'm I'm not gonna, you know. Derek Mears did good as Jason, you know. I'll—I'll I'll give him that. But you know, when it came out on DVD, like a few months later, and I bought it and I brought it home and I watched it again, I was like, um, why did I like this in the theater? Because I don't feel the same way right now. I like that remake well enough i watched it in the theater and i revisited it i think about six months ago mm-hmm. and there is this there's just this kind of dark creepiness in a lot of parts that plays well a lot of the characters obviously you're not going to invest in but i think there's enough there to hold it together as a whole mm-hmm. now as far as those remakes go i have two that i think need to burn in a dumpster fire for all of eternity Number yes. one, Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, Bad. sweet. Yeah. Bad oh. filmmaker. Bad. Bad. Naughty, yes. naughty boys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh. 
Oh, uh, and, oh and my friend, and my friend that loves Evil Dead, he loves that fucking Nightmare on Elm, Elm Street remake. No. He loves it. He's like, Jackie Earl Haley was such a good Freddy. I said, well, here's, here's the problem with that. It was written horribly. Horribly. Yes. That was just a bad script. Whoever greenlit yes. that script should be tarred and feathered and hung, and that's it. They, they should just not be allowed. They should be stripped. Their writers get thrown out of the writers' guild. They're done. I think it had like three or four writers. I think one of them was Wesley Strick, who obviously worked mm-hmm. with Tim Burton, and, and he did the screenplay for Cape Fear. And there was that hope. And, and for me, Freddy is a huge part of, of my existence, very much in the way of Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. But obviously I had to give it a shot. Having said that, I, uh, I, 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 I really walked out of there like, what was that about? Mm-hmm. Like none of it felt connective. And I understand that, you know, it was meant to be more of a remake, but I think once again, you have this energetic character that draws you into some of this zaniness and, and this horror. And I love Jackie Earl Haley. But one, you, you can't replace Robert England. And if you no. do, you're, you're, you're just lucky. It's not skill. And the other issue for me is that there's something about the makeup in the remake that is all too grounded. And it's like, yeah, we know he was the burned victim and he was torched alive by the parents, but there was something recognizable, even though knowing what he was supposed to be. And in the case of, you know, this updated Freddy, you're like, that's, and, and even though it is somebody else, it's not Robert England. It's like, that's not Freddy. The other injustice to the world of horror remakes. Mm-hmm. This is one of those things I, I really, you know, I, I, I don't use the word vengeance a lot mm-hmm. but i would plot some level of revenge or vengeance on michael bay for him producing the remake of the hitcher that is just wrong like it's mm-hmm. not first of all and no no offense to sean bean but Red Hauer was just a different level of creepy i rewatched yeah. the hitcher about five days ago mm-hmm. and still goose pimples all over my body even the ones that are covered and it's literally like once again you have this energetic type of of center this kind of you know nougaty center this morsel of however you want to put it but basically something that holds it all together and binds it all together regardless of if it's the protagonist or the antagonist but you're drawn and in the case of the remake they tried so hard to make it you know like slick but gritty and then they wanted to make it like super violent but then cut around some of the stuff the editing and the editing and that one especially like i think i got a nosebleed but they remade this movie that was meant to almost purposely be this little cult movie Mm -hmm. and oh yeah that one i've watched it twice and both times i literally turn off the tv and said three words over and over. Mm-hmm. Stupid, stupid, stupid. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you, one hundred percent. It unnecessary. That, that movie is that remake is just 
Yeah, I just want to call Michael Bay and go, there's nothing good about what you did. Click. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. I you can't top Riker it. Howard. He's so, oh, he's so, oh, he's so icky in it. You're like, Ugh. yeah. I, I can't wait. That's actually supposed to be getting a, um, I think like a, a restoration by, um, oh. I, I think Second Sight Films in the UK is actually doing a restoration. Oh, I love and, it when uh, you talk dirty. Oh, making the hairs gonna, on the back of my neck go woo woo woo. <laughs> it's it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. Like I I'll tell you I have, I just got they did the um they did the um I did the I got the 4K restoration of uh they did uh George A Ramiro's Martin, and I picked that up. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but that is one of that is. I know people love him for like Night of the Living Dead, but for me, hands down, Martin is is to me Martin his is best film. Quite a trip. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just you know, I was in high school when I saw that for the first time. Yeah, and I was that's like, a good Romero one. And then there's Monkey wow. Shines where you're like, what? yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's weird because um. The guy that played Alan in that, Jason Begay, is on that show. Um, Chicago PD plays the lead, and I don't know what happened oh. to his. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened to his vocal cords, but he was in some kind of accident where they got like really messed up, and he's got like this real like gravelly voice now and all that stuff. Wow. Oh man, yeah, that's that's a great one, and you know Romero. You know, that man had creep show and, you know, he's of course, you know, well remembered, but he's so synonymous to one specific thing, you know, and in the case of Wes Craven, it's not too far off, but mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, pointing out like Martin and, you know, Monkey Shines, these great movies that they did in between that people are like, oh yeah, they did that too. For Wes Craven, um, if if y'all haven't watched it, it's called Red Eye. It's got Cillian mm-hmm. Murphy and Rachel McAdams. Yep. Mm-hmm. Legit. Legit. And it's Great definitely, movie. it's one of those movies that takes you out of what we know Wes Craven for, and you go, that's why we like him. And of course, the other yeah. one that kind of goes along with that, Serpent in the Rainbow. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. See, and that that that's, that is like, to me, the sign of a great filmmaker, because they can step out of what you think their comfort zone is and just do it so brilliantly. And it's just amazing. It really is. It really is. Wow. Yeah. God, God, Wes, uh, wherever you are, I never got to meet the man and it breaks my heart, but Mm -hmm. yeah, that was literally one of those, you know, we all have celebrities that we adore. And even if we don't meet them, you know, they're such a part of our lives. When he died, I had to pull over on the side of the road where I was like, yeah. Oh my God, like that, yeah. that's, that's now removed from our reality. And what he gave to us is almost irreplaceable. And, uh, yeah, I, unfortunately I never got to meet the man. So, uh, wherever he may be, it's like, Wes, you did us so well. Thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Wes, hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to go up here. Wait, wait, let me make sure Wes, wherever you are, this is me. Strike down radio silence so they never make another Scream movie again. Thank you. 
Strike them down. Smite them, good If sir. they want to remake them. something, if they want to remake something just to play around, let them do either People Under the Stairs or Shocker. If they want to mess with something of Wes's, they can yeah. play with Shocker all they want. They should yeah. probably oh. leave People Under the Stairs alone. Well, somebody <laughs> is remaking People Under the Stairs. I did hear. I think. Somebody oh. is doing it. I don't. I don't know who is doing it, but somebody's doing it. Oh, me no likey. <laughs> it's 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 not gonna be. It's not gonna be good. But I mean, this is this is what I'm talking about. Like I just, I mean, and I'm sure you probably agree to an extent. Like I I think we need like original ideas. You know that takes work, but I think one thing that's interesting is. And, and I know, and don't get me wrong, you know, sooner or later, I think we're now at a point because I don't think cult movies have the same endurance the way they used to, because now everything's a cult movie in some ways, you know, and, um, one that I loved growing up and it is now is definitely a cult movie and has earned it, but I hadn't heard it referred to as one until up to a few years ago. It was like the burbs from Joe Dante, yeah. which I is amazing. Movie. That movie, and 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 part of what makes that movie so great for me is I was always a fan of Bruce Dern. Yeah, because you know, you know, especially in that role, like he's always been this kind of creepy guy where you're like you're not sure what he's going to do, but he has such great lines like, "I'll tell you what he does, he trains his dog to crap in my yard," and he's Mm -hmm. just kind of, you know, and the whole. You know, in Southeast Asia, we used to call this bad karma. And it's mm-hmm. like, he was just so great. And even, and it's got Carrie Fisher in it. Mm-hmm. Another one, Western Soul. Um, but cult movies now, thanks to social media, I think like, and I don't know who necessarily does this, but there's enough buzz to generate and kind of bring people together, especially on the inner tubes, to where you can generate a cult following. Like there are so many movies that are so wonderful and obscure. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, there's this whole base that loves it. Like no escape for those who know 1994 Ray Liotta actioner Mm -hmm. that I watched in the theater three times. I remember it dearly. And throughout my entire life up until maybe a few years ago, like seven people knew it, what it was. And this was a movie that had a video game tie in on the Sega Genesis. So it's like, okay, that was a thing, and then it passed. And then, like, a couple of years ago, there's all these people who are like, why can't we get the streaming version of No Escape? What that came down to was rights. For those who may or may not remember, the company that made the movie went bankrupt, like, in no time flat, Savoy Pictures. And then there was this back and forth about, well, who owns it, who owns the rights to release it this way, and so on and so forth. So it just went streaming a year ago, and I bought it. And that was, like, the best seven bucks I had spent in quite some time. But now the concept of a cult movie is, like, synonymous with almost, like, anything. And it's nice to kind of bring fans together that way because, you know, people are like, oh, my God, I thought we forgot about that movie. And it's like, no, you know, there's that rediscovery where people now go, hey, you know, I watched this 30 years ago and it still stuck with me and it's still wonderful. Mm-hmm. And now people kind of remember that a little bit. Like a perfect example is um, for those who know Weekend at Bernie's, 
They make t-shirts Weekend at Bernie's now, and it is literally like the most 80s bad comedy that I can think of that I own. But mm-hmm. having said that, it's a movie that was obscured, and then all of a sudden, five years later, you know, here we go. But the other side of cult movies now is like, well, if we know enough people who enjoy this, if we remake it, we'll get them to the theater. And it's like, uh, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, they try to they try to, you know, milk that nostalgia teat as much as humanly possible. But, you know, I, I fall for it a lot and I don't mind saying that, but it's always unique to kind of see how movies end up with followings that you never would have thought were there. And then Hollywood seems to try to take a cue. And then and, and I got to be honest, in most cases, they fail. <laughs> and and you know what? Speaking of No Escape, because you brought that up now, I was one of those that saw it in the theater as well. You know, I I, I loved it. Now, I don't know if you're like a a streaming guy or a digital guy or you're like into physical media, because I still love my my Blu-rays and my, you know, 4Ks. Like, I love physical media because I imported maybe about two years ago. um, It was an all-region disc, but it was No Escape under the Escape from Absalom title. But but here's the thing. (laughs) But here's the thing. Unearthed Films, which is like based in this country, actually just Mm -hmm. released No Escape on Blu-ray. Like I think back in October. So I've been meaning to pick that up. If I pick that up. I have to look. I think I have to look on Amazon. I think I saw it on there. But yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, and you and know it has what? one of the best villains of all time, Stuart Wilson as Walter mm. Merrick. <laughs> yep, yep, and and you know, speaking of Ray Liotta, he's another one that that I love. But again, I, I feel so sorry that his final film was Cocaine Bear. <laughs> I, I I really do, because I I watched that, and again, I know I know I know people liked it, and. It was one that I wanted to like. It was a little like, I don't know if it was because he died and maybe right. that's why his role kind of got cut short, but it's like he right. was, he, it was, it was kind of like watching Nev Campbell in Scream 5 because he was, it just felt like he f- was thrown in there just for like, you know. Yeah, a little. And I can kind of see that because. Especially with knowing that that was his last completed role, you're kind of hoping for, like, you know, an end that's kind of fitting. But I will say this, where I think they got it right, Mm -hmm. where there's that scene towards the end with the waterfall and stuff. And, you know, Ray Liotta was, I mean, the man was actually quite funny on film and, and in general in a lot of ways. But having said this, or having said that, this was the moment where I was like, that's why we love the man. And mm-hmm. it's where they're talking about in the waterfall and they're like, you know, we need to get the cocaine back or we need to get this or whatever. And he stops his son and he goes, you don't understand. These are people that do not take excuses and they will come after anybody that has gone near this or who I care about or who I love that they know they can get to me before actually killing me and he goes do you understand and it's this great moment in this bonkers movie that's really trying to 
it, it works really hard to be bonkers. I enjoyed it, but you can tell it was kind of like, throw this in so they have a whole moment. Or throw this in so they laugh inappropriately. Um, a lot of the stuff that happens in it doesn't feel organic, but that scene, it's literally about like this minute little, quick little monologue from Ray Liotta where, you know, between all the, the, the goofiness going on, you have that moment where it's like, you know, Ray is going to... Ray Liotta is going to Liotta all the way for us. And it's like yep. that moment right there where you're like, that's why we love the man. Like in yep. that moment, you know, the acting chumps kind of kick in instead of all the, and it's like, wow, that's what made him so great. Like he was one that captured the screen, captured our imagination. We enjoyed watching. And when he could lock in to a scene and, you know, recite something and kind of hold us there emotionally, that's why we love the man. So yeah. that's probably for me, even with all the, the goofiness and the stuff that I did laugh at, that's mm -hmm. probably my favorite part of the whole movie, oddly enough. <laughs> yeah. No, I can I can totally see that. Like I, I, I totally understand that part. But I, I was just like I mean, and and I get that it was supposed to be like cartoony and it's not serious. And believe me, I'm all about being goofy and all that stuff. I love it. That's the whole thing. But it's just like in hindsight that he like died and that's like his final yeah that's his last thing yeah like like there's a part of me that's like um maybe another good fellas no i know he can't do that but still <laughs> yeah something oh, you know god good fellas is literally my second favorite movie of all time like good fellas is just just pitch perfect in so many ways they got so much stuff right did you know that the real bear was was stuffed all those years ago and they had it at the premiere they brought it to the premiere Really? Yes, and the bear has a name. Um, cocaine? No, this is oh. good. Pablo oh. Escobar. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Pablo Escobar. I'm not making it up. I wish I was. I just, that, that, that is... Pablo Escobar. That's, yeah, that's like, ah, yeah. oh, that's so good. Ten points, Gryffindor. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give him that. I'll give him that. That that's a, that's a good one. That that's one was good. good. That one was that good. That really was. That really was. Wow. Uh, it's just um. So I'm trying to think. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to touch on, or did we? No, I just thought. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm looking forward. Like this is such a good episode, and I I'm looking forward to what comes next and and that path and that journey. Um, the biggest thing for me is like. You know, especially, you know, I'll touch on a couple things real quick. You know, okay. as far as Evil Dead, you know, there's a couple things. There's a, there's a couple irons in the fire that they're working on. One is an animated series. Yeah. Because Bruce has said, and that new video game, I liked it. It was, it was really cool. And, and they, they really tried to connect all the dots across the entire evil dead verse um but there's also possibility of an evil dead anime really just hearing about that possibility made me change my shorts so it, i mean <laughs> in some way shape or form the franchise will go on obviously right um but yeah there's and and i and i feel like these gears aren't necessarily in motion, but I feel that they are very much, um, you know, it's like kind of throwing ideals at a board and seeing what sticks. And an animated right. series would be cool. An anime? Oh, give that to me in 4D, please. Like, 
right yeah. meow. <laughs> mm-hmm. 100%. And, oh, yeah, that would be absolutely. Uh, that would be just wild. And, you know, as as far as the franchise in and of itself, as far as movies, like, if you can't get Bruce back, if you can't get certain people back, you can you have to evolve it, which is what they're trying to do. That's why now, you know, more movies is going to be centered around like the books. So you're going to have, um, you know, similar to I'm trying to think of a series where, you know, you have this one kind of MacGuffin, if you will, you know, in this case, the Necronomicon and mm-hmm. all these adventures and serials, if you will, will kind of be based around that with different people. But having said that, it's like, well, you said three books. It's like, okay, so we're going to follow, you know, the kind of trajectory of this book. Cause remember Ash versus evil Dead, he got drunk and high and he was with some 20 something and mm-hmm. read the book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it goes back to it kind of is like Fast and Furious a little, and, and definitely not comparing the two. Fast and Furious, oh my God, like they still make those, but mm-hmm. you you know once again it's like because what I worry about with a lot of franchises it's another case of oh they're doing that again they're doing that again you know to kind of make organic entertainment like you said original entertainment and and original ideals are so sparse these days when it comes to cinema. Um, if you're going to evolve a franchise to continue, you have to evolve it, but it has to somehow be connected. And I think that's what's tricky. And I think a lot of filmmakers, you know, not knocking them kudos to, for what they do that I'm incapable of doing, but they don't, they don't stick the landing. They don't go all the way with it to where it's like, okay, we have to develop these things. It's like, ah, do that. That'll be a good place to put the book. Or that'll be a good place for Toretto to save his family yet again with apparently indestructible cars that go to space. So, you know, franchises, like many things, live and die by their actions. Scream is starting to really show its wear and tear, especially after, you know, Monty Python does Scream 6 a little bit. where Because after a while, you're like, wait a minute. How many times can you get stabbed before we have to kind of address is he getting stabbed like the killers are like do you guys not own a knife sharpener like what are you doing like so many cuts and i'm like they're still standing and it's like okay and you know evil dead i think they're at a really interesting tricky point where they have to figure out where to go next like i said i i like evil dead rise i hope you enjoy it as well uh, yeah. um, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, when you share uh, your thoughts with me on it. So, <laughs> yeah. hold on, I'm gonna play this real quick. This is my favorite part from Scream, right here. Look at this. My favorite. Part you of got Scream, me too right deep, there. Billy. I'm feeling kind yeah. of woozy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One hundred percent. Craziness. Good stuff. Um, it was, uh, well, let's see. We will be back on. I'm going to pull my calendar up. Uh, oh, shoot. That's not my calendar. Um, <laughs> let's see. We will be back on Thursday, May 11th. Woo-hoo! So I will, uh, at that point, have watched Evil Dead Rise. 
Um, yes. Heather, Heather will most likely be joining us too. Then we'll have to figure out uh, what we'd like to cover, but uh, it should be fun either way. Yep. Can't wait. This is great. I'm looking forward to what comes next. Thank you all of you for chiming in um, to my fellow fellow vets out there. I thank you. And uh, yeah, can't wait to see where this goes next. So color me excited. All right. Thank you, buddy. And we will see everyone next time. Let me just, there we go.